Here we go. All right. We got another special for you guys. Thought it was over. No, we have a plethora of goodness. JL Martinez here with the one and only Kevin Sharpley. This is Screen Heat Miami brought to you by Camacol, Cinevision, Kajik Multimedia, and the Miami Media and Film Market. And this is going back to our days at the Bitcoin conference. We have a wonderful two-part interview again. Uh, we have uh, a legendary Miami real estate tycoon, Moisha Mana, who's doing so much stuff in the form of the creative arts and the digital space as well uh, with Bitcoin and digital currency. Uh, his uh, Mana Winwood actually hosted this giant Bitcoin convention that we were at. We were able to interview Moisha uh, and that was really exciting. And then in the second part, you will also hear from a colleague of his who's doing great work, Rodrigo Arboleda, uh, who has a wonderful nonprofit campaign uh, to get every child in Latin America a laptop. It was one laptop per child, and then he has another one, right? Yeah. So the one laptop per child was extraordinary. I mean, it started its, its seed in Africa. And so what they were able to do was to really push information. And this information was in the form of education, really getting these laptops in the hands of children, but also communities all throughout Africa. Uh, the interview was going to go on to talk about how Rwanda, which was one of the worst hit in terms of the turmoil over there in Africa back in the late 90s, uh, they had a genocidal experience. They turned it around there in Rwanda. And Rwanda now is one of the most connected countries in all of Africa in terms of technology. And so Rodrigo was instrumental in making that happen. And he has a, a new push. His new push is now what they're calling part of the fourth wave. That fourth wave is the fourth industry, industrial revolution. And that's with technology. And so that fourth wave has a lot to do with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And if you're not connected into this technological wave, this fourth technological wave, Web 3.0, uh, Metaverse could be included in there. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Uh, NFTs, which is putting more of the power in the people's hands, the creative's hands. Um, we'll see how the Metaverse and the NFT play out over the next couple of years. But absolutely, the artificial intelligence and machine learning certainly have been an integral part in this evolution. You know, they're using those pieces in, in just about everything that's happening. A lot of people don't realize this, uh, how this machine learning works. And, you know, he's going to talk a little bit about that. But what he's allowing for now is for more of the population to participate in this new movement. So it's breaking down how just regular people, you know, you can have a fifth or sixth grade education kids uh, in terms of learning how to code and learning how to utilize those skill sets towards working in those parts of the industry. And so that's been his latest push. And it's pretty amazing. You know? Yes. Well, we all know technology disrupts and no industry knows that better than uh, our friends over in the theatrical distribution side and exhibition. Uh, so we got a couple of stories we're going to get to right before this amazing two-part interview uh, from Bitcoin. But uh, Variety has an article out there called How Movie Theaters Fought to Survive Another Year of Turbulence and Change. 
Uh, this includes everything from shorter theatrical windows, simultaneous day and date releases with the streaming platforms, uh, and how the cinema business as a whole has been challenged by net like never before, even getting into late 2021. I know we talked previously about how great uh, movies like Spider-Man, No Way Home have done, and some of the other superhero movies, but this is an industry that's been hit very hard, particularly in the past couple of years, and see what's going to happen in 2022 as the industry evolves to this idea of shorter theatrical windows. I think next year they're talking about only a 45-day exclusive window for theaters. They're also talking about maybe some more day and date releases on demand, uh, premium streaming along with theatrical. So how will the theaters themselves embrace the new technology and the disruption to continue providing such an amazing service to the people, which is this communal experience of watching movies together in a dark room? Yeah, I mean, I have a prediction. And, you know, I've not read an article about this, but I have a prediction that they're going to get even more into AR experiences, augmented reality experiences, possibly virtual reality experiences. But when you have a theater like AMC that everybody, they were like, they were already in the coffin. You know, they weren't six feet under yet. It was still open coffin. Uh, they were able to turn around their situation through this big push of their stocks by Wall Street Bets, which is a subreddit group. And so, wow, did they come out really tight on that? I was very lucky that I, I take bets on certain stocks and I had quite a bit of money in AMC for a time. So I was able to do well, but AMC was able to really pull themselves out from that hit that was about mm. to happen and continue on. But, you know, I can really see how their CEO has been able to keep them ahead of the game, ahead of the curve. They announced that they would take cryptocurrencies. And so they're going to take three of the top cryptocurrencies moving into 2022. And that kind of future thinking is what's going to allow them to survive. And I can tell you, crypto did very, very well last year. There was a moment where they took a huge hit, but I would not bet against crypto. Um, I'll just give you in terms of if you would have invested $1,000 in certain coins, how much you would have made moving forward. Bitcoin, $1,000 investment in Bitcoin at the beginning of 2021, it would have netted you $1,600 by the end of 2021. So you would have made quite a bit of money. Ethereum, which is what's used oftentimes for NFTs at $1,000 in Ethereum, which was up over 400% at the beginning of 2021 to the end of 2021, you'd have netted $730. So just imagine how much money you would have made there. This is a coin that is more of a cosmetic coin, Solana. The price on January 1st was $1.53, December 28th, $181. Dogecoin, which was a brunt of jokes, Dogecoin, $1,000 in 
if you would have invested $1,000 in Dogecoin at the beginning of 2021, it'd be worth $32,000 at the end wow. of the year. Well, it looks like one way for it for the theater chains would be to start accepting Bitcoin as form of tender and payment. AMC that might is. help them. Yeah, they are. So they're, they're figuring out one way to move forward uh, through crypto. Uh, and, but yeah, it's very exciting what's happening, how that there's such a growth. Miami has become a global hub for cryptocurrency and for some of this new digital currency technology. So excited to see what happens locally as well uh, as that industry continues to evolve. Uh, but yeah, we're very excited by these couple of interviews. Of course, Moishe Mana, who is a, uh, one of Miami's iconic real estate moguls, uh, helped build Wynwood. Uh, he's the first part of our interview. So I want to jump into him. And then the second part, of course, uh, which we'll bring you is Rodrigo Arboleda, which is exciting uh, program to bring laptops and tech to folks uh, in third countries. So without further ado, we'll give you Moishe Mana. Moisha, thank you so much for joining us. This is Screen Heat Miami. I'm with my partner, Kevin Sharpley. Uh, this podcast is all about the entertainment industry, media, art, and culture. Talk a little bit about yourself and your work here in Miami in building particularly this area of Wynwood where we are today. Okay, so this goes back all the way to 2009 when I um, thought that Miami need a cultural hub. South Beach was not an option. We used to go to South Beach... To me, it was offensive many times, you know. And we needed to build a cultural hub where we, it's going to be inclusive, not exclusive. And I started really buying all these properties, 45 acres that I put together. And as soon as I bought it, I declared it as the cultural, the cultural hub of Miami and where we're going to do art, music, fashion, all kind of events, business and entertainment. And uh, this was on the cultural end of it, but we had also on the west side of Winwood, we wanted to build, and we will, the global trade hub to facilitate the trade between the Far East, Latin America, and North America. Going to be uh, a commerce place, B2B, showrooms, banking, and legal for Latin America and Far East, because, because Miami needed, there's so much limits for culture and art, we need money, we need business. So the idea was to combine business with uh, entertainment and culture. That's what we do. I call it business with culture. Right. So what we did here, just let me out for a second. When we bought everything, this event that you see today, I used to pay for people to come. Wow. Every event, one art event, look at the Miami Herald, cost me a million dollars. This was art event in the Art Basel. The title was The Cream of the Crop was, uh, was, uh, was Mana Contemporary Event. We did music event. Every music event cost me 300000 250000 we, we did the street art. And really, and it caught the people's attention because Miami was starving, starving for anything of culture, anything of, of event. There was not 10, 12 years ago, really, Miami, and still have a long way to go. We still didn't totally made it as a culture hub because there's many other elements coming and every day coming more and it's becoming more interesting and I'm looking forward to the comedy clubs and I'm looking you know the you know the uh, you know the theaters that are going to be developing here right Miami needs it yeah Miami is diversified community 
from all over, it can be amazing when it comes to food, when it comes to entertainment, art, anything that you want. Absolutely, but like you mentioned, it has to be the mix of the art with the commerce, right? Must be. And so, how do you see this Bitcoin conference at your venue here in, in Wynwood uh, helping to drive the at least the commerce part of it? Because, you know, that this has become a huge industry now, right? In terms of cryptocurrencies? Yes, it is a huge industry. What it really does, this event, and because they wanted to do it in LA, and we needed to, you know, we needed to make it here, no matter what. It, was, it is the first event after the pandemic. But it's really what it does, this event, it put the stamp that, that, um, that the technology here to stay for anybody who doubting Miami is a technology hub. So with what we're doing in Flagler, we bought 70 properties to make it a, a, a technology hub where we bring all Latin America into one into one street. We bring the Israelis companies instead of going to Silicon Valley, instead of going to New York, to Boston, come to Miami, it's similar to Israel. And this is where we're going to cement the whole idea of making Miami as a, as a technology hub. Right. And don't forget, we still didn't say our last word when it comes to Latin America. We got 700 million people there. That's still not connected to the economy of the world, okay? Miami is the place to connect the 700 million people. This is the invisible people, I call them. Wow. Crypto, give them the platform to connect to the world. So, yeah. I, I have a question. You've always been a future thinker, and we can see this by the developments in Wynwood, which you were there before it developed, and now you're in the Flagler District and also the downtown district. What's really important and what I'm seeing about the whole blockchain technology and the growth of it is something that's brand new, the NFTs, yes. that have transformed for artists, for anyone that's in the creative industries. So are you looking at building that in terms of this technological hub that's happening here in Miami, the convergence of the entertainment industry, the technology industry, and the growth of the area as a whole? Okay, I tell you something. The uh, the whole idea of the of of the of the cryptos, right, is right now in involvement stages. We are definitely looking into it. We definitely want to be part of it. The question is, really, there is a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of issues that need to be solved, and it's being solved still. I doubt it very much. The whole uh, the Bitcoin, I doubted it. But now I don't doubt it because simply I just tagged it as a religion. You cannot fight religion. And the opposite, when you fight religion, people become bigger believers. When you try to ask for methodology valuing any coin and what it does, yes, it, it, does, it is backed by blockchain. And blockchain is the future technology that we are... That, 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 that we are going to develop, going to be relying on. The future internet. When it comes to crypto, it's still, you know, government did not say a word about it. And, and, and it's just like still the beginning, the beginning of everything. Definitely, we're going to take part of it and we're going to provide solutions and we're going to provide vehicles for the artists and for the business and whatever it takes to make this thing happen. But I must say, for the people who doubting Bitcoin and this and that, I, I was a doubter also, 
But when people come, tell me, and the way they believe in it, these people and the passion that they have, I say, listen, it's going to stay. And what forms, how it's going to stay, I do not know. But definitely it does also uh, provide platform for many people that didn't have chance to participate in the economy. It gives them the chance to be part of it. So when I meet people wherever I go, when they really don't have jobs or they have jobs, I say, you know what, open crypto, here we go, I give you $100, start it, I give it to you, start it, just get, get with it, you know, connect to the people, you know. So almost like a form of microfinance, essentially, just to get people started with small well, amounts. Well, I give it as a gift, you know. As a gift. I, 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 don't, I don't need, you know, like just people to get them, to encourage them. Sure. Uh, to do it. And I'm talking about poor countries, you know. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it can be significant for them. And uh, I'm very thrilled that finally, I mean, this is, this is amazing. We've been working for 12 years working with governments of the China or Korea or Latin Americans, working with, with the, the MIT of the world and working with, uh, uh, with private businesses to make all this thing happen. Because Miami needed the diversification of business, which we didn't have. And I tell you something, and I was speaking with my PR people and I told them, and they said, maybe you should, you should say it, because I said it to them, because it sounds corny, okay? But really, what really drove me also to do more and better is when I came here and people that I know they finished school and, they've, and they're smart and they did everything was asked from them to do they asked me Moshe you have a job for me I can't get a job or you see them doing waitressing this really uh, touched me and made me more decisive we're going to change it here because it's possible and there is so much energy here and all I got to do harness the energy put it together you know whenever I speak people stand in line how can I be part of it so we're still in the early stages I mean not early stages we're we, we doing it we assembled the properties the idea also to keep the, the neighborhood sustainable I'm very worried about the future of, uh, of Winwood because this is what drove me also to develop the Mana Common philosophy because every time there's a cool neighborhood developing then they come, the developers put residential in the middle and they cannibalize the neighborhood and take the stores out and put it to that, you know, the triple A tenant. Right. This was in the meatpacking, this was in Williamsburg, this was in South Beach, this was in Coral Gables and so forth. So we can't do it anymore, run from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood. So our idea is really capitalizing the economy of the neighborhood, investing the businesses coming into the neighborhood, so not rely only on the rent. So we don't need to increase the rent, and we don't need to repossess our tenant. So our tenants are consumers and producers. All I got to do, connect them in and out for consumption, and, co and connect them up for production. So create economy. And this is a new philosophy that I'm bringing to the place, to the world, where the investment is horizontal, not vertical. This was developed, the post-industrial revolution kind of philosophy. Okay, at Screen Heat Miami, we don't want to take all your time, but we also like to focus on the journey of the people that we interview. Okay. So, this is a two-part. Can you talk a little bit about your start? Because that, it's very interesting. You know, people, I think, would like to know how you started very first, and then about the future, what you're looking to towards the future. Okay, first of all, from a young age, 
you know, I always looked beyond my time. I looked for the future. I always did. I always questioned. I was that kind of a kid ask uh, the teacher when we first study history, learn history. And I said, teacher, who came first, Adam and Eve or the cavemen? You know, <laughs> but, uh, um, and thank you for the compliment. Yes, I always think in advance. And I always think where we're going and, you know, and, and, and looking philosophically at the world, okay? But where I came from is really everything that I'm doing as a result of my experiences of where I came from. I came from poor neighborhood, poor background, integration kids that need to fight the odds, did not agree with the policies of its government in Israel. I had to leave because I didn't want to uh, to connect my future to something that is really problematic. And I said it to my friend in a young age that I'm not, that I have to build my future and I'm not going to connect it to this place, you know. Um, Israel hopefully going to change its policies. I hope so. I love Israel and, and, and Israel a lot to offer, but we need to change. I was a big fighter, you know, for changing policies and and today, what we do today in Israel, it's a result of 30 years or 60 years of occupation. But you, but you came here? Though? Then I came here. I came to New York. I came as a dishwasher. I didn't know anything. There was no Google. There was no maps. I was dishwasher. I was selling on the street, vendor on the street. I was experiencing uh, life. And when I needed to, see, to sleep in the park, I slept in the park. I never really felt sorry for myself, and I was very enthusiastic about life and looking forward. And and um, I built, I started the moving company with one van to become the biggest moving company in New York, Moishe's Moving. And uh, then uh, the union got involved, and John Gatti and uh, shooting at me and threatening me and and inviting them to kill me and shoot me. And I said, I, I don't know who you are. Come shoot me, kill me, get it over with. I mean, there's all a story. Do it, you know. Could be a movie there. Oh, it, it, you believe it? Believe it or not, a movie and a half. We definitely want to get get that you movie. Know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see someone and, hovering and around. Driving us. motorcycle and shooting at me. And, <laughs> oh, oh my God. okay, we got to write that script. Yeah. Um, but where you're at now? I yes. mean, the big development. So we know Wynwood. You're downtown in Flagler. What are you looking for for the future of the developments that you have moving forward and the future of Miami? I mean, you, we heard you say that you feel. It's a hub, and it's going to be one of the biggest hubs. But moving into the future, from now into the future, what are you seeing for Miami and the growth? You know, and the growth for yourself. Okay. Okay, first, you know, I, I, and I've said it, you know, long ago, Miami should be the Hong Kong, a variation of Hong Kong of the Western Hemisphere. And for that purpose, I even reached to the president of Panama. And I explained it to him. They're doing Miami, Panama, Western Hemisphere trade hub. This is something that we need to offset against, uh, to offset to the opposite of the Hong Kong of the of uh, of the Far East, because I totally believe in the economy of the Americas as one. This is 1.1 billion people economy, and connecting these economies, you know, between. You know, connecting these two economies is going to create the greatest economy of the future. That we can compete with China, we can compete with India, we can compete with anyone. But America has to wake up 
because America is still struggling what to do with this country or that country Latin America. And I tell him in a simple, in a nutshell, closing your home doesn't make your home safe. Showing your garbage through the windows doesn't make your home clean. Wake up. You are putting 750 billion people in war machines in Afghanistan and all kind of stuff. Let's go and put it towards something productive. There's 700 million people who want to connect to the economy of this world, okay? It's a great point. Absolutely. And you see Miami as that hub. Miami is the hub to facilitate everything. And and, and to facilitate and to put the world together. I always believe in putting the world together. Bringing the Far East, bringing America, bringing Latin America, bringing Europe into, 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 into an ecosystem. Build this neighborhood that we're building and connect the people direct. This is where peace is going to come when people direct, when, when start connecting direct and putting the neighborhood. This is my vision, to build neighborhoods throughout the world. Wow. That's incredible. Thank you for your work, Marshall. We really appreciate it. I know everyone wants to talk to you, so yeah. we want to take Thank you for the time. time. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was a good one, my friend. Yes, it was. I mean, he really had a word to hear where he came from and to where he's at now. I mean, it's just amazing. Started from the bottom, now he's here. <laughs> That's right. He was one of the first investors in Wynwood. Wynwood you can't even get any real estate in Wynwood anymore without dropping some serious coin. It used to be just containers and warehouses. So, you know, through artists and the creative industry, he's been able to do a lot. And that's from Soho all the way to Wynwood, now downtown Miami owns a lot of, the property there in downtown Miami. So, and, you know, really it's outreach to the people. So, you know, you're really happy to hear, hear about that. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, Speaking of outreach to the people, you know, it's been a hot topic for quite a while. NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are they going to continue? Is it just a trend? I I'm on the side of it's not just a trend because it democratizes the connection between artists and their audience. It gives them the ability to reach straight to their audience with no gatekeepers. So, and it's something that, you know, we talked about, you mentioned AMC taking Bitcoin, but also for the filmmakers themselves using NFT as capital to create their indie projects. Uh, Hollywood Reporter has a great story out of AFM. Uh, projects from Kevin Smith, Jennifer Esposito, Anthony Hopkins, looking to NFTs to fund their uh, indie films projects as well. So not only in the exhibition, not only in the evolution of the art form, but filmmakers, artists themselves, using this uh, NFT movement to actually fund their indie film projects is pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one thing to give participation in your project as a producer, you know, you get a title as a producer at the end of your project. And another thing to get a token where then that token can advance and really allow you to make money in and of itself as a part of your projects. So I think it's here to stay. Ah. Yes, there are gonna be 
scams like in every single industry but if you invest in the right film and the right filmmaker you can come off with making money yourself as you're allowed to participate in nfts and then those nfts become more valuable over time but also coins there's going to be projects that then offer coins their own coins as a part of the project and then those advance over time um there's this popular project that is uh and i can't remember the name of it but it's nfts with these uh these apes and now those apes those nfts are worth in upwards of six figures so you know there's some that are going for three hundred thousand dollars Wow. For example, the new digital gold rush. <laughs> it's a digital gold rush. Yes, now, that that's, you know, kind of on the higher end in terms of the value of, of the NFTs. But just for indie filmmakers and filmmakers in general, having the ability to connect with their audiences and then those audiences being able to have in, incentivization through the projects, I think, is, is, is a huge thing. You know, yeah. And then obviously, once they figure that out, we have one more story before we wrap it up for the year. Uh, how will the creative industries, metaverse and media come together for, for what is being considered, you know, the Internet 3.0 or whatever we're calling this, the metaverse yeah. web 3.0? How's that going to shake out? Yeah. And what it essentially is looking to become is allowing the web to become more three dimensional. And so we had Robert Rice a couple of interviews, um, a couple of interviews ago, talk about how that's going to play out and what that's looking like. And we'll talk about it a little bit more moving forward. But I think what the metaverse allows storytellers the ability to do is to tell stories on a whole nother level. And that's the way that I'm looking at it. That's the way my company is looking at it. I have another company that we're doing a build out of our own metaverse and avatars and these things but there's already different types of metaverses out there i mean steph curry along with under armor or under Armour along with steph curry they released a digital shoe so that's a shoe that is only in the digital space and you can use it to participate in four different metaverses the shoe sold for 333 dollars and I think that they had about a thousand of them initially, and it sold out in a day. And, and you're saying I can't, a, I can't even use that for a game of pickup basketball. I have to do that in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, your pickup basketball game better happen in the metaverse. There's four different metaverses. But what it's going to become is these unique metaverses that are more genre specific. So you have a metaverse that is, you know, more for the hip hoppers. You have a metaverse that's more for people that are into just the film and entertainment industry. You have a metaverse that is connected for gamers. And then yes. you have fashion. Yeah, you have uh, real estate, digital real estate, digital fashion, so many things coming. So before we even catch up, there's always that next thing, which is the way technology, you know, they always say technology is an exponential, right? So we're on this upward slope where we're going to be hit with everything at the same time from nfts and crypto and streaming and metaverse and it's all just coming out of us lightning fast yeah i mean just imagine if you have a project and i know that disney is already working on this you know a project that 
you can experience it in a tactile way. So, you know, a comic book, you can experience it on the app, you can experience it on the web, and then you can put on your VR goggles and then you can experience it in the virtual world and the metaverse world. And then you can put on your AR glasses and experience it in the real world. And then you go to a theater and you're watching a movie you have on your AR glasses and you can experience a different type of uh, um, connection with the story. So it becomes fully immersive in different ways. It can, I think at times become overwhelming, but with the right project at the right time, just imagine being able to experience that story in so many different ways. And then the game, I think it can be something that's really a powerful tool for, uh, for storytellers. So. The matrix is coming, my friend. So our green uh, <laughs> heat listeners will have to decide if they want that red pill, that green pill, we will offer both options and you guys can take it from there, but it's been a great year, Kevin. Absolutely. And I'm happy that we're bumping. We're partners. We're making this happen. We're co-hosting. We're bringing the, all the hottest screens in the world right to your uh, preferred podcast listening device. Before we end, you did bring up something that we didn't talk about, which is uh, The Matrix. We have to put that in before the end of the year. The fourth installment, super successful. Critics like it. It was one of the biggest streamed uh, for HBO Max of 2021, biggest streamed uh, films. So. Got to give it up for Keanu Reeves. He continues yep. on his uh, on his winning streak. So, yep. Yes, sir. Well, it's been a great year, and I know I was so excited about that. More more content coming. <laughs> there you go. Got to keep coming. So, I'm Kevin Sharpley. I'm JL Martinez, and this, this is the one and only Screen Heat Miami. Dallas, he in the 22, baby. Boom.